This podcast is for the brave hearts, the black sheep, the rebels. If you're willing to face your fears and optimize your time on this planet, you are among friends. This is the Aaron Evans Podcast. I heard about this woman before I ever met her. And the information I received about this woman was she was a high-level athlete, committed to excellence, interested in flow state, and she was teetering on the edge of becoming a yogi. I have the great pleasure of sitting with Lynn Suddy. Welcome to the program. Oh, happy to be here. Thank you. It's fun to hear you talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) So Lynn, tell me and the listener a little bit about who you are. Uh, I'm thinking about this question and I have so many roles and positions. Um, and to me, that's, that's the, the road that I can be myself. Like that's the expression, but to answer that question, I would say the, the inside me, the real me is passionate. Um, and then however that comes out, however that needs to come out could be through teaching. I'm an outreach school teacher. So I work with students that have high behavior needs. Um, and then I'm so active. I love, I love sports. I love being active. I love pushing myself um, intellectually, physically, emotionally is probably the trickiest. Um, so I do have lots of different roles. I, I have lots of pursuits. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a yogi. I'm an athlete. Um, I'm a leader. I'm a coach. Uh, but all of those things are just an expression of, of the real me that's just so hungry and uh, reflective, I would say, but always pushing for more. Yeah. And my favorite thing about you, Lynn, is you've got this juxtaposition where you're jacked and covered in tattoos, and yet there's something about you that's so innocent and playful. I get like two little girls playing on the playground vibes when I'm hanging out with you. And the craziest thing is I know what you're lifting and I know how you're performing in yoga. And that to me is a true sign of humility. When you talk about being an athlete, what do you mean? I think it's a lifestyle uh, and I think it's a mindset. Um, the mindset of an athlete, I think, is you always want more. You're always trying to, to push for more and optimize. How can my performance be the best? And I've changed the way I think about performance in terms of, yes, I want to lift more. I want to be able to run faster or longer, whatever it is. I want the physical performance, but that almost comes easier to me. I'll always be physical. I'll always push those boundaries. I'm comfortable training hard. I'm comfortable doing those things. But to think about performance being, how do I show up for work? How do I show up for the very boring conversations? How do I show up for everything? So making everything a performance. Um, and to me, that's what an athlete means right now. And that like, also like permission to change my mind that that could change day to day depending on what my focus is and when you describe those two little girls that is me that's very much I I am playful I like to have a good time I want everything to be fun but I'm so fiercely passionate about what I'm passionate about and I I'm so thirsty and um managing both of those polarities is challenging and changes so often. I find I'm constantly recalibrating and I'm constantly looking at what are my tells and what are my signals for success and what, like, what does success mean for me? And it changes all the time. And I think that's what being an athlete is, is being tuned into 
what am I, what are my markers? What am I looking for? How am I achieving those? And how am I supporting myself to get those? And it's not just physical. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that the difficult edge for you is emotional growth. What do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Um, it's more comfortable for me to push myself on a treadmill to almost blacking out than it is to um, put myself in a situation where I'm all in, but maybe somebody else is not all in. Or um, throwing an idea out to a table of people that I respect and I don't know how it'll be received. Like, I still, there's still growth there, but I also think, and this might be the athlete mindset too, and maybe there's a better word for it, but I've trained myself and I did this through sport. I did this through physical activity. As soon as I notice there's resistance, I must need it Um, almost to a fault. Pull-ups, pull-ups have taught me so much. I've been doing pull-ups for 10 years and I still wouldn't say that I'm a master at pull-ups, not even close. So as, as soon as I think that I have something where, I don't like that, or I have a preference, something shows up, I, I'm adverse to it, then it's like, I have no choice, I have to dive in. And so it's the same thing, like, oh, I, I can notice I'm emotionally distancing myself from this person. Okay, well, let's dive in, why? And then also having the, giving yourself the permission to like, you know what, maybe I do need to distance myself a little bit to be able to still show up. But knowing, making that choice consciously rather than unconsciously. Yeah, and you speak to the the core element of the yogic teachings, which is we are so driven by our preferences and our aversions that we will do almost anything to move toward what we like and avoid what we dislike. And I, I'm an athlete too, and I agree with you. Like the physical pursuits are not even that big of a deal, but you ask me to have an intimate, real, honest conversation, it gets the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. Something I want to point out that I loved that you said is being present with the boring conversations. And one time you sent me a text message and you said, someone just tried to talk to me about winterizing their trailer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was a true story. Um, This is something I work on. I'm the type of personality that is... I like genuine and I, and for a while I kind of hung my hat on, I like the deep conversations and I like going deep, but you know what? Some people, their genuine conversation is winterizing the fucking trailer. So if you're connecting with that person, you're talking about the trailer and they need to be seen and that's fine. And so giving the space of like, this is what that person needs. And I can watch myself. This is this week. Even I can watch myself sitting there like, Oh man, do not care. You've already made this point. We're on the third round. And it's like, okay, so I'm practicing the behaviors I want. So the person that I want to be, how do I want to do this? How am I going to show up for this? And it's like, okay. And maybe my first expression is like, make sure your face doesn't give you away that you don't care about this. Like maybe that's step one. I don't know. Um, but I think I, like physicality has taught me like okay what's what's your move now like you're gonna do this workout no matter what are you gonna be an asshole to yourself the whole time and make it that much harder or are you just gonna get through it the best way that you can yeah and you but I think there's something to be said like not sorry not wasting energy more like prana whatever like your bandwidth your energy on the contemplating exiting so and I've been thinking about um let's say you're doing I'm doing a minute-long sprint eight incline, eight speed, let's say that's very challenging. If I have in my mind, I'm doing this, there's no exit ramps. I'm the only way I'm not doing it is if I legitimately pass out and you don't entertain any 
well, maybe I'll just go down to, down to seven. Maybe I'll go 58 seconds. Like if you cut out the maybes and you cut out the exits, you have so much more energy and focus to finish. And I think you can say that for anything. If you decide I'm having a conversation with you, trailer, not trailer, talking about the weather. If I've committed to that, I'm in it. I'm not, I'm not out. Then I think it helps to like the presence. It helps you in your goals. It's like it feeds into it. Yeah. And, and finding joy and flow state in the mundanality. And I love that that premise of cutting out the maybes. They say that it takes ATP in our cells when we've got this analysis by paralysis. Should I run? Shouldn't I run? What pace? How far? So it's like I'm, I'm going to make life easy for me when I'm training, when I'm in conversation. What childhood experience stands out to you as one that shaped where you are today? Um, I love the external questions because I've spent so much time training myself to uh, always go in. And so the external is, um, I try not to base a lot on the outside, but I do have a, there's a moment when I was growing up and I could go down the, like if some people sometimes seem to need the prerequisites of a hard childhood to be able to listen. And I've got those if that's what someone needs, but I'm not, not super interested in, in going there. But I did, I had some, some, I got some good stories from childhood, but I had one moment um, where my dad passed away when I was young and my mom got remarried to a very challenging man. And I remember standing there and I was getting in trouble. And this was a very common thing. And I had a switch go off that was, oh, I only have myself. And it wasn't a sad, it wasn't a poor me. It was very much a light bulb. Like, oh, this is how we're doing this. I have, I have you, you have me. Um, and it's just you and me. Like, and it, it felt very much like, let's go, like, not, not sad, not, uh, and I remember it so vividly and that I attribute a lot of that. Uh, I'm very good at going inward. I'm very self-aware. Um, and I, I think that had a lot to do with it. Just, I spent a lot of time in there. I know myself really well. And I think it's also why I understand people and behavior so well because I did have that upbringing where it served me so well to know what was coming and to know the the behaviors of the people around me uh, and be able to reflect and just go inward with that so I'm going to say that moment yeah it's being safe in your own hands and we come into the world alone we die alone and we can have beautiful handbags of people and great sweaters and friendships but at the end of the day it's you against you and I think Goggins says like I'm looking in the mirror, like that's my reference point. How did you do today, Lynn? How present were you? How kind were you? Having a relationship with yourself. So if you're, if like, if I asked you, whose opinion do you care about the most? And your answer is your mom, your boyfriend, your whatever. That's great. And that can be helpful. Those can be good tools. But if your opinion of yourself matters the most, then like build the trust with your, how can you trust yourself? Why are you like, are you building the confidence within yourself? And that's where it's like, yeah, maybe it is physical activity where it's like, oh, I actually did do that sprint and I didn't pass out and I didn't take any off ramps. I'm building confidence, but you can do the same thing in the conversation. Like, oh, I had a very boring conversation and I wasn't an asshole. Props to me. Sweet. I love the idea of building a relationship with self that can withstand anything. Tell me why you lift, bro. Mm. Well, honestly, I got into lifting. So I played 
uh, CIS rugby. I played for University of Lethbridge rugby and we were very successful. And it's, I wasn't, this is not the Cinderella story. I wasn't the star player. I was very much a rock solid. I played, I played a lot. I was, I was good. I was really nice to be able to move around. Um, but I wasn't a superstar, right? I wasn't, um, well, I was captain for one year. I was pretty good. <laughs> um, but I, then rugby was over. Uh, I had a, a few concussions. I was done school. I couldn't play anymore. And I was still training and I was still working out and I loved the gym and I was still at U of L. So I was very much in that culture. And someone approached me and said, I think you'd be really good at lifting. Um, and I didn't really like doing new things because as an athlete, I like to be good at stuff. I like to do the stuff I'm good at. Uh, of course I do. Like I want to, I want to feel good. I like feeling confident. Why wouldn't I? So it was, it was a, that could have been the only time in my life that I would have said yes to trying something brand new. Um, so it was kind of that loss, that shift. It's so common to hear the shift of identity in an athlete. Um, so I kind of jumped right in and just replacement therapy to weightlifting. And I got obsessed with it. Um, and I learned so much from it, but I fell in love with it. Um, physically, emotionally, mentally, going from a team sport where you're playing with 15 other people on the field, 14 other people on the field to an individual sport was wild because lifting you step up to the platform you lift it or you don't and then you walk back and you just think about what you've done um so to i learned so much about myself through that and i fell in love with the combination of you need to be strong you need to be fast you need to be powerful you need to be mentally tough to do the exact same two movements over and over and over and like yoga is similar and the more you dive into it the more technical it is but then the more technical it is, there's a paradox of like, you just pull the weight off the floor. Like it's in your body, just do it. So I love that dance. I still love that dance. The mastery of something that, that calls all your attention, one slip of the move and you could hurt your back. Like there is a lot of possibility for injury and mistake. Yes. What is yeah. a moment that you never want to forget? I have... Uh, and it's a feeling. And I think this might be, I think to a fault, I don't, I don't go back often and I don't uh, base things on the external very often. So I don't have like, oh, I was in Disneyland and whatever, but I, I, at times in my life, I've had this overwhelming feeling of just trust and knowing if I am in my lane and I am doing everything that I know is right for me based on a feeling, knowing um, that everything is going to be amazing. And so big and awesome and like I can feel it and I would bet my life on it and I want to hold on to that feeling because that feeling makes everything else seem small in a in a very helpful way um so that I never want to lose that and if I ever do I hope I can tap into it I'm not sure you can ever lose that and I think it's like that that metaphorical ace in the hole of faith and it's like life is happening for me. And every time a father passes away, something terrible happens in your life. It's like some of us use it as resilience training to make us sharper and faster and kinder. And other people go to the dimension of victim, which you articulated, like, I'm not interested in sad stories because I'm here today. How does yoga and weightlifting, how do they interplay with each other? What's the similarities and how do they support each other? Uh, physically, the, the balance is, is beautiful and you can, uh, 
it's complementary physically for for the strength and the balance and just the joints alone. Um, but for me, the the biggest compliment uh, was mentally. I I was and still can be, but I was so hard on myself. Part of those two little girls on the playground. I want to lift and I want to play all the time, but I I want a hundred percent and I want perfection and I want it every single day. And I am so hard on myself to get that. Um, to the point where I was ruining training for myself because I was so like, I would never treat another human the way that I was treating myself in training. And I demanded perfection. And even when I got perfection, it wasn't enough. And I used to think as an athlete, like, Oh, that's good. And in some ways, sure. You want drive, but if you're beating yourself down, like you can't train a dog by hitting it over the nose with a newspaper, like it's fear is not going to, going to help you. Um, and I, so that fire was consuming me and it was taking some of the joy out of it and it was fear and it turned into entitlement. I think that it's like, well, I've lived, I've snatched 75 kilos. Uh, why can't I do that every time I want to? And that's not how that works. And so I went to yoga and I remember it was a Friday, 4.30 class. And the teacher said, you just have to listen to my words, do the best you can follow my words. And I remember thinking, Oh, I can do that. Like, I, sure. I, and I just switched everything else off and I just listened. And I think it's because I am physical that the physical cues, it didn't take me out of that flow state to listen like, Oh, left leg here, right arm up. Like I can do this. Like I'm so I, I know it may not be the same for everybody. And I just legitimately took the time on my mat. I'm like, okay, I've set this time. This is how I'm going to practice how I want to be as a weightlifter. It was all about weightlifting. Everything was in the name of weightlifting. And this is when I met yoga. And so, okay, how can I, what can I practice? How can I practice? So every lesson, every line that the teacher said, whether it was about drishti or breath or letting things go or not, no stories. It was all around weightlifting. It's like, okay, I can relax. And I showed myself, I didn't give a shit about yoga postures. I didn't care. Like, I don't need to be able to do the splits. I'm a weightlifter. I don't need to be able to do this. I'm a weightlifter. So there was this freedom to just enjoy it. And it was what it was. And I could leave it. And doing that just showed me so much. Like I'm that, that the performance in quotations was better when I was in that state of mind. Um, and that just led to a lot of untangling. And it's not that my passion or drive went away. It's that I am still learning and I'm, I learned how to lift with those massive waves of emotion. Like I still get that. If I miss a weight that in my mind, I wanted to nail it, it kills me. Like I still feel a huge wave, but I have practice and I don't think there's anything special about me I think it's just reps it's just driving time when you first start driving you suck and then by the time you're 30 you're great hopefully but I have practice riding that wave to be able to do it even with those feelings like the capacity has grown I guess yeah and in the past you were lifting for cortisol and adrenaline and then you added yoga which is more endorphins and dopamine and you started to pull what you learned in yoga that mindset of union body mind breath and put it into something that by nature is so stressful like cortisol yes and so black and white that's like you either lift it or you don't and at the end of the day like it is weightlifting whoever lifts the most wins 
but it's like okay pan out even more from that what wins what is that like so the the mesh of the two they complement each other for me my disposition uh, immensely how about this inner critic because i believe my inner critic and the athlete and the drive in me was has been beneficial to get me where i am but now it creeps in and i'm like whoa i don't think that serves me so how do you deal with the inner critic that wants perfection and do better be harder be faster yes uh that is an amazing question i ask myself all the time and um i i want the critic there what did not work for me is trying to shut it down and saw like soften too much um that also feels just as terrible it's going against who i am um working with it so i love self talk i will coach i will whiteboard myself and like where is this where is this coming from what do i want i want the drive i want the hunger that will always be there so finding a way like the same way you would do with an athlete i do it with myself like i want the drive i want the passion you want your athletes to care about what they're doing that's amazing you can't coach that but how do you do it in a way that supports supports your goals and won't bite you in the ass when there's adversity and i think part of it for me was reframing adversity and not not failure like you're going to make mistakes and but which ones are behavior mistakes and i'll let myself be a little bit hard on myself for behavior mistakes like if i do get distracted i'm doing that uh sprint and i do play with the idea of like yeah i could shorten it like i had an extra run this week i'll let myself be a little bit hard on that like no are you doing the run or not and i'm okay with that harshness with myself but if it's not a behavior mistake and it's out of my control no we got to drop that cuz it's not part of the game plan and what i've been doing lately is i'll do um i'll write the behavior in one column on the left side um like i'm having these thoughts and then i'll write on the other side okay what kind of person would have these thoughts not about me just what kind of person would do that and then i'll look at him like hey well is that is that the kind of person you are is that and if the answer is no then the behavior changed so well, what kind of person are you and then i'll reverse engineer it but it, something that did not work is going the other way the pendulum swing does not work for me no when it leads to burnout and loss of passion i i can't believe it when an amazing athlete just all of a sudden quits i'm like how it's it's like it's in our blood it's in our dna but i think that's it when the mind gets involved and enmeshed and ruins what we love and what we're passionate about yeah who has been the most influential person in your life oh man um when i first thought this a surprising answer came up so i'm going to talk about him um i i am the type of like i'm constantly looking for influences uh in everything a song a lyric like i'll i'll take a quote or a person that meant something completely different and apply it to whatever i'm passionate about in that moment that's that's one of the things that i do but this person when i first got into the job that i'm doing now as an outreach outreach school teacher so i get the kids that are kicked out of school we'll say and this student um couldn't emotionally regulate uh autistic lots of different diagnoses but what he taught me was how to hold space for somebody and it wasn't about me um because he was pretty diabolical in terms of his reactions to things but i loved him so fiercely i still do um 
he taught me so much about human behavior, which is a huge passion of mine. I love like what makes people tick and why, and like the behavior serves something. And what is that? And how do we, how can we change behavior and how do we modify and what do we, I love it. And he taught me a lifetime worth of behavior in a year. Um, but he also taught me as, as the lead teacher of the school, I'm in charge of everybody's safety. So when you have somebody like that, who's unpredictable, my level of stress when he was in the building was just higher. And it was, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just like, I'm in charge. I, if anything happens, it's on me and I need to be able to sit in my boss's office and explain why it went down. And I would go home and I would notice I was still in that state. And so that's the first time I started talking to myself, like, look, you're going to have to go do this again tomorrow. I need to be able to show up for training because I'm, I was still competing, um, like a few times a year at that point, like I can't lift if I'm feeling like this. So I, that's when I first started doing self-talk in terms of you're not in, I'd say out loud, you're not in charge of anyone's safety, but your own right now. You're not like you're off duty. Like you're not. And that's when I first learned, like sometimes the, the boundaries, the lines, the, and I do this in terms of seasons as well off season on season I'm on I'm off and making that very clear to myself like that taught me a lot that I can be at work when I'm at work I can be at home when I'm at home while I'm training I'm 100% training and the things that I don't let those bleed over unless I have to and then it's a choice but if I let someone else make that choice for me now I've got friction and that's on me like if you call me during training and I answer and then I'm annoyed at you that's on me. That's not you. So he taught me a lot about that, those boundaries and how to be much more agile. And it's the idea that we have so many playing fields. And when I'm a yogi, I am concentrated. I am devotional. I'm present. When I'm a mom, I'm playful. I'm about safety. I want him to emotionally regulate. When I'm running a teacher training, I'm assertive. Like what is required of me is so different in each playing field. So what advice would you give to someone that notices the bleed of one playing field into the next? Uh, Self-talk worked for me to uh, notice it first. And I think for me, it helped to be on a macro scale, first of all. So if it was uh, like when people say a busy time of year, every time of the year is a busy time of year, by the way. But if... For me, I learned it through off-season and on-season because I do better when I'm busier and when I'm training hard and when I'm sore. and when it, So that would be like preparation, like competition prep, that's my jam. So I have a really hard time when it's, okay, this is recovery phase. You're doing less. You're not as busy. You're, that's not as comfortable for me. My baseline's a bit higher. So to actually draw out what phase am I on? what and what does this need to look like what are the characteristics of this phase so when i'm at work and i would draw it i would draw it in between two lines i'm at work this is what i need to be at work and then if you find that that isn't helpful i would also put a star and i would write like what trumps this so for you you're working you're doing a teacher training maybe your your kids school calls that's gonna that's gonna trump it so then that's fine there's gonna be things that just override that and that's okay um but i i like to visually see it and that gives me a sense of i think it's a sense of control and actually seeing what's expected of me and then also gives you permission when there's time where it's like okay before bed for an hour i'm actually 
I'm just going to read or I am going to go on social media and I'm going to feel great about it. Yeah, a conscious choice. You have agency, you have power. But if you're constantly distracted, you're lifting, answering my phone call, it's like, are you committed to anything? Because it appears to me that you have no commitments. Everything's watered down. Yeah. And you and I are in the business of distillation. We want our essence to be so potent and powerful that there's no leaks of our life force. How do you recharge? I feel like I'm, you know, in like a cartoon or in like Inside Out when there's a big control room and there's like all these panels and buttons. I don't even know what the fuck all these buttons do, but I am constantly recalibrating. I feel like my system updates are so rapid that I, I have to check in all the time and I still miss it and I still get it wrong. And so I'm constantly playing with like distilling and squeezing every drop but then I'm also constantly like being okay when I get it wrong or I don't do it so panning in and out as I need and using I think I use all the strategies that I've collected and keep collecting to try to keep myself functioning optimally but I know that my go-to I have certain things that are non-negotiables that's my foundation for recharging and it's physical exertion and sometimes uh, it looks like yoga and sometimes it looks like much more rigorous and I've gotten that wrong. Uh, so just like paying attention to what I actually need, not the shoulds. And that's something that I think as an athlete is, is hard because you did, you have trained your mind. That's like, well, it's practice. I'm going to practice. There's no if, ands, buts, whatever I'm doing that. And so when you step away from that, it becomes what's going to serve me right now. But then you have the guilt of like, okay, but if that's not training, well, now I'm complacent. I'm lazy. I'm not myself. I like, I have all these feelings when it's like, you got to figure that out. You got like, doesn't necessarily mean that there doesn't need to be a story to like, maybe I don't need to go for a run. Maybe I need this. Um, so navigating that is, is interesting. And I'm still trying to pay attention to how much is a should and how much is what's going to serve me. Um, but physical activity for sure lays that foundation. Learn. I need to learn. I need to read. I need to uh, connect ideas. I need to challenge myself, think of things in a new way. And I need to laugh. Um, sometimes music will do it. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, listening to a conversation will do it. I need to feel like myself. That that's it. That that's what recharges me. I need to feel like me. Mm -hmm. So like, meditating, yoga, any of these things. Yeah. And, and I think for all of us, it's figuring out the discernment of where I'm being a drill sergeant when I need to be tender and where I'm letting myself off the hook and I'm leaning into yeah. laziness. What yeah. is, what is your, what is the why that makes you want to cry? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, what is your, you dream? can ask me. What is your dream? Big, audacious, crazy dream because Lynn, you could do anything in this world. Put me on the San Diego Chargers coaching roster, then that's what I want. Um, I, yeah, I want to coach. I want to, and I don't, I don't know what it will actually be, but I know I love, I love coaching. I love human behavior. I love learning new things. I love being challenged and I can feel and that's where I'm going. And man, if it's San Diego Chargers, then I would look good in powder blue, let me tell you. But, um, I, I feel like I know enough to know that it's bigger than what I'm imagining. So whatever answer I gave you, I think it's 10 times more than that. Um, 
and I don't know if that's the kind of answer that you you want, but it uh, it feels pretty awesome to me. And on that note, if people wanted to coach with you, how does this work? How do people find you? I have uh, I have the uh, three one eight optimization where I I right now have mostly nutrition clients and training clients. If you wanted to training in terms of more like the gym or a program, or I have a couple of, of athletes that are playing football or playing baseball. Um, so you could go that route. Um, I'm also doing sports specific yoga right now. I'm working with like the men's basketball team at U of L and I, man, do I love that. It's so fun. And it's cool to, I like performance. And like we talked about before, like I love the physical performance. I'm all about that. I, why I love teaching yoga is I like talking to the bodies. Like I want people to feel good, of course, but um, the physical performance, the mental performance, uh, just dialed in. Like, I think the more people around us that we have dialed in, it just feeds on itself. Yeah. That's beautiful. You just reach out to me. I'd be happy to anyone who wants to be coached with is fun to coach. Yeah. Well, expect a, a message in your inbox from me. Cause I'm ready hearing you talk about the sprints on the treadmill. I'm like, I need her. I need, I need some help. And how can people find you? I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, probably Instagram or my email too. But yeah, reach out to me on Instagram and I'm, I'd be happy to talk to anybody who wanted to talk to me. Great. Lynn, you are so inspiring. I feel like I want to go run a marathon and make myself <laughs> black out. I love that feeling. I, mm, your your passion is, is palpable. So thank you so much. Mm, thank you for having me. I love talking to you. Oh my God, you are so inspiring. I'm going to turn off our recording.